Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. That we have this unsurmountable debt drowning in this ocean of sin, and Jesus came and paid it all. He did so much for us. And to be a Christian, to be a person of faith, and to follow Jesus, I think one of, for me anyway, one of the main hinges of that is the idea of forgiveness. Forgiveness, to know that, wow, I have been forgiven of so, so much. And how easy I want to slip back into those old ways of judging and being on the other side of the fence that says, well, I've only experienced this hurt and this pain. And I just want to remember all that Jesus has done for me. I just want to just have a a glimpse of just how forgiven I really am. And so this week, when I was getting ready to talk about it, I started reading all of these stories on the internet and these amazing, amazing stories about forgiveness. And, and, and there was just, just unbelievable stories of people that had been uh, like in, in concentration camps and then just forgiving their captors. And just, I mean, just story after story that were untold uh, of these acts of forgiveness. And, and I started thinking about these, but then I got to thinking sometimes when it comes to not forgiving others, it's not the big thing that trips us up, but sometimes it's the small things. Sometimes it's accumulation of all the little things that kind of get down in our hearts, and next thing you know, we're bitter and we're angry. And, you know, it's that one guy at work that now, even if he just says hi, you're just like, oh, I just want to just, okay, no one knows what I'm talking about. That's just me. All right, you may be that guy. So, but it's marriage, you know? It's years of leaving the toilet bowl seat up and not squeezing the toothpaste right and all of these things and leaving the mayonnaise on the counter for like six days, you know? And then all of a sudden, how many times have I told you to do this? But if we're not careful, all of these little things begin to add up. And before long, it's just got, it gets to that point where it's just like, oh man, just to kind of, even talk about it, just kind of gets us angry and gets us upset. I know you know what I'm talking about. So I'm reading all these stories of, of forgiveness, the big and the small, and I just begin to thinking about the small, and I ran a- across this blog post that I wanted to read to you guys. This is um, a, a Jewish man that um, is um, uh, in, inside of Judaism, and he's asking this question to one of their uh, uh, rabbis or leaders, And um, he says, this is the question. He says, I understand that God will not forgive my transgressions until, against another, until I try to make it right. I want to become more righteous, but I find it unbearably difficult to have to apologize to certain people. I am proud to be Jewish, but sometimes I think Christians have more peace of mind because all of their sins are forgiven by believing in Jesus. I wish I could have this kind of peace of mind. The Christian God seems more forgiving and loving than the Jewish God. Am I misunderstanding something about the Jewish God? 
So here's this man that's asking this question, and he's saying, you know, and, and it reveals all different types of things, even in this question, because in Judaism, there's a real big attention on seeking the forgiveness of man, of, you know, if, if you've sinned against someone, you go to them, you ask for their forgiveness, and then you go and you get right with God. And with Christianity, there's this kind of assumption that he is making inside of it, well, it seems like all the Christians that I know, they can just get right with God. And they don't have to go and apologize to these other people. So all of this forgiveness in God or me having to go and there's these unbearable people that I don't want to forgive. And he's just kind of saying, man, it seems like it would be a whole lot easier and that this God's a whole lot nicer. And so there's all these different kind of assumptions. So there's kind of natural question kind of pops up of, well, is what he's saying, is his assumptions true? Are Christians totally forgiven in Jesus Christ and therefore don't really need to go and make peace with their fellow man? Or do we need to go and make peace right with God? Because over here in, in Judaism, they have, they have the Torah. They have what we would call the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So they have all this. There's this, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they're not accepting Jesus Christ as the Messiah. So they are still looking for Jesus. And so he's saying there's this Jewish God that we're looking to, and he's saying to do all these things, but there's this Christian God. And they're talking about the same God, not in the terms of Jesus, but he's saying one seems a whole lot easier than the other. So do we? Do we have to go to each other and ask forgiveness when we have it in Jesus? Can't I just forgive in my heart and that be enough? I think that's a pretty pretty good question. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, and Jesus answers this question for us. Matthew 18, and we will be starting with verse 22. Sorry, verse 23. Then the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owned him 10,000 talents. Because as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. And the servant Therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, forgave him of the debt. But the servant went out and found his fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii and laid hands on him, not in the good way, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me. I will pay you all that I owe. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that what had been done, they were greatly grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you of all of that debt because you begged me. Should you not have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on him? And the master was angry 
and delivered him to the torturers that he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you if from his heart does not forgive his brother of his trespasses. So here Jesus tells the story of this king who's calling in all of his debts. And he brings together this one guy who owes him a whole lot of money. And he, and he says, okay, it's time to pay up. And to which this guy says, man, I don't even have anywhere close to what I owe you. He falls on his face and basically asks for mercy. The king says, have your, your debt is relieved, you're granted, go your own way. He goes and finds this guy who owes him the equivalent of lunch money. When he had just been forgiven of thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars, which would be the equivalent today, he goes and finds his fellow servant that owes him five bucks and says, pay up now, grabs him by the throat, throws him in prison. He gets word of this. Shouldn't you have done as I did to you? But then what kind of is the kicker is how he sums it up. My heavenly father also will do to each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother. So all of a sudden Jesus kind of throws in this other thing that's a little bit confusing. Because the entire parable is about forgiveness. And about how action is taken with forgiveness. So you have been forgiven, and so therefore you need to go and forgive others. But yet, at the very end here, he says, you, from your heart, need to go and forgive the other servants. So all of a sudden, it's kind of like, wait, wait a minute, Jesus, what are you saying? Are you saying that it's okay, that just inside of my heart I could just forgive and that be okay? And so there's this kind of two groups of people. There's the one that says we could just forgive in our hearts, and that's good enough, and all of forgiveness comes in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And then there's this other group that says, well, no, wait a second. That's right, but at the same time, we have to do something about it. But this from your heart can be a little bit confusing because it kind of at first might seem like all we have to do is forgive someone in my heart. And that is not what Jesus is saying at all. What he is saying, he's not saying forgive them in your heart. He's saying forgive them from your heart. And when you forgive from your heart, it inevitably leads to action. And see, James goes on to say, faith without works is dead. See, you say that you have this faith by your works, well, I will, by, by your faith, well, I will show you my faith by my works. So in other words, I'm going to show you what I believe by what I am doing. But then there's another scripture over here where Paul says, it's by faith alone through grace in Jesus Christ and not of works, lest any man should boast. So all of a sudden it's kind of like, wait a minute, what are you saying? Is it by faith or is it by works? Is it by this or by that? Is it, and all of a sudden Jesus is coming and he's saying, no, it's from your heart. And what is inside of your heart comes out of your heart through your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is in your heart is going to come out of your heart and what comes out of your heart is a reflection of what you really believe. So it's not only enough to just say, well, in my heart, I forgive them. Imagine going home and you have a young daughter or a young son or whatever and you ask them to clean their room. Well, you go back the next day and the room is all filthy and you... you bring them to the side and you say, hey, didn't I tell you to clean your room? And they look at you and they say, Dad, I did clean my room in my heart. <laughs> How far do you think that that will get them? 
But yet, when it comes to forgiveness, we take that exact same posture sometimes. And what Jesus is saying is you have to forgive from your heart. What comes out of you is an outworking of what he's already done in you. And so it's not by works that I'm saved, but it's by my faith and by his forgiveness of all that he has forgiven me from that I am now able to forgive you. And so by doing that, yes, there are actions and there are steps into doing this. Because what I do affirms what I believe in my heart. And what I didn't read was at the very beginning of this, is where Peter comes to him and he says this. Peter says to him, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother's sins against me? Shall I forgive him up to seven times? Now this would be a huge thing in those days. Peter's saying, listen, all these guys, they keep doing these things against me and it's hurting and it's painful How many times do I need to forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, this would be a huge step of faith for Peter because, oh, man, you just don't forgive somebody seven times. And Jesus responds to them and says, well, what about if you forgive them 70 times? What is Jesus saying? He's saying it's it's, it's not about seven times or it's not about 70 times. It's, It's when they've hurt you, it's you forgive them again and again and again. And so my question would be, what if the question was flipped around? What if Jesus asked that question to Peter? What if Jesus turned and looked at Peter and said, oh, well, how many times should I forgive you? Up to seven times? In which Peter would say, "Uh, I like your answer better. Because what do we know about Peter? We know that he messes up three times in one night when he denies Christ. Some of you messed up seven times before you got to church this morning on the car ride over. Come on now. Some of you guys giving sign language from the window. Uh That's why I don't have a Jesus bumper sticker on my car because my wife drives the car sometimes. And I was like, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. How many times? But think about that. Think about if Jesus would have flipped it on him. Well, how many times should I forgive you? How many times have you been forgiven? Yes, I know you've been hurt, and I know it's painful. And even to look at those people, it's just like, man, I find it so hard to forgive them. Maybe it's because we've forgotten all that we've been forgiven from. And when we have the moment of realization of, wow, I'm forgiven all of my sins. Jesus paid it all. It's only natural that I forgive you too. It's an outworking of what's in our heart because if we try to live our lives of what, what we just believe on the inside, the Bible tells us that that leads to deception because we think all this stuff is going on when really we're deceived. But when we believe and act from our heart, our lifestyles back up our beliefs. Now, it's my opinion that when we forgive, we are the most like Jesus in that moment. As a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I believe that I am the most like him when I forgive. When something has been wronged and someone's hurt me, and man, when I just forgive. And I expect nothing else 
So how oftentimes do I forgive someone? But the reality is, I want you to know that I forgive you. And if something happens, I'm going to bring it up. But does Jesus do that to us? He just forgives us and wipes it away. Easy to say. Easy to say. Hard, hard to do. And why is it so hard? Because we need that constant realization of all that Jesus has done for us. I constantly need to be reminded of everything that Jesus did for me. Matthew chapter 6, be on the screen here. Jesus prays this prayer in this manner. Therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let's go back to that one more time. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is a dangerous, dangerous prayer because what are we praying Lord, forgive me in the same way that I forgive them. Dangerous prayer. How would you like to be forgiven the same way you forgive others? I know that's a hard one. Verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's funny, in Jesus teaching them how to pray, he prays this prayer, but yet he takes the time after the amen to back up and reiterate the forgiveness part. In other words, this is central. This is central to being a follower of Christ. Forgiveness. You are forgiven. And in the same manner in which you've been forgiven, you need to forgive. And so we've been talking about the life of Job. And we've looked at this man who has lost everything. The Bible says that he was a well-respected man in his country. People from all over the place knew who he was. He had all kinds of wealth and he had many kids. And then all of a sudden, in the matter of moments, it's taken away from him. Moments, and it's all gone. And now Job, which was once once well-respected, now finds himself sitting on a pile of trash with sores all over his body, with people pointing their fingers and mocking him. And the Bible says that he's scraping himself with this piece of broken pottery just to get a little bit of relief. He finds himself surrounded by friends. And for the whole book of Job, his friends begin to tell him of why this is happening to you. You must have sinned. 
And what's amazing about the book of Job is the way that the book ends. Chapter 42. Now, if I was to ask you, do you know how the way the book ends, you would say, yes, I know exactly what happens to Job. Job receives double what he once had. He has all of this stuff happen to him. He has double the amount of kids, double the amount of cattle, all of this thing. And and you go to church and everybody preaches this and like you're going to have double for your trouble. We say, amen, that's amazing. But we forget about the verses right before. The verses right before, God is speaking to Job. And Job's friends are sitting right there. And God says this. And you guys that have spoken wrongly of me, Job is now going to pray for you. And when he does, I'll accept his prayer. Do you see what God is asking of Job? Here is this man that has lost everything, a crazy amount of pain, and his friends have countlessly, time after time, day after day, told him how bad of a person he was, how much he had sinned. Can you imagine how annoying that would be? And God's saying, now Job's going to pray for you. You are going to pray for that person that's hurt you. And it isn't until after that happens that Job receives double. What is holding you back? Could it be unforgiveness? Could it be that there, your life has experienced some kind of pain and suffering? And there are those people that, man, it even, you can't even stand to look at them. Just even mentioning their name brings about a quiver in your skin. And what if God says to you like he says to Job, and now I want you to pray for them? Because it's easy to love the people that are lovable. Man, but it's really hard to love this guy. I'd like you to close your eyes for a moment. If there's a person that comes to your mind that you may have some unforgiveness towards, just the mention of their name. I want you to think about that person right now. I want you to see their picture in your mind. Gandhi said, forgiveness is not for the weak. It's reserved only for the strong. And so with your eyes still closed and with that person's picture in your mind, I'm going to invite you to pray after me. If you would. Because let me remind you, maybe you feel like you've hit a brick wall in your life. You've experienced something 
and you want to get to the next level with God, well, to get there like Job, you need to forgive. So if you would, I'm going to ask you out loud to repeat these words after me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. So Lord, I pray your spirit of forgiveness fill our hearts. Fill every bit of us, every dark spot in our life, every ounce of anger and malice. May your Holy Spirit come in right now. And may we forgive those who have caused the pain, who has caused us hurt. And Lord, may this not just take place in our hearts, but as your word says, may it take place from our hearts. May our lives back up what we believe. Like Job, we may need to go and just pray for them. Lord, don't let our hearts get hardened. Keep us soft. Thank you for giving us again and again and again. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for releasing forgiveness this morning. And one last prayer before we close. For those in here that have been a part of church for a good part of their life, for those that have known the hurt of a pastor, You may never hear them ask you for your forgiveness. But I'd like to stand for them now and say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the hurt that I've caused you. I'm sorry for not being there when you needed me most. I'm sorry. Forgiveness is a powerful, powerful thing. We are the most like Jesus when we forgive.
to be a follower of Christ, to be a disciple of Christ, is to walk like him. And Jesus forgave me and you again and again and again. Thank you, Jesus, that your grace never runs short, that your mercy has no limit. Amen. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the